Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Let a teacher speak a word of life over them that would sustain them until they can get back to school and get in under godly influence again. And Father, I believe you can do that because your word never returns void. We believe you're going to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since it's Mother's Day, let me just say this. Um, we got a lot of new mothers coming along. Uh, we're, it seems like we're in this boy mode. I don't know. Everything, so far, all those that have found out are all having boys, But uh, because of, which is a cool thing now. But because of that, we need your help. We've got some, uh, we need some assistance in the nursery and in the kids' area. And so we, man or woman, if you're interested in assisting us there, please see Miss Kim. And uh, she would love Miss Kim's right there with her hand up. Raise it up again, Miss Kim. We appreciate Miss Kim and all that she does for our children. Uh, but if you are interested even remotely, we promise we won't stick you in there until Jesus comes back. You know how that works, you know. You take, you say, I'll volunteer, and then we never see from you ever again. Uh, but that's not how it works here. We just put you on a rotating basis, and you actually don't have to help that much. It's like once or maybe twice a, a month at the most. And we just believe that some of you have giftings that you need to begin to use. We're going to start a new series this morning. I appreciate John uh, speaking the word that he spoke last week, and I know you guys have been talking about it because I've had people ask me questions and comment about it, and I believe you enjoyed it. And so this morning we're going to start a brand new series, and we're, it's called Psychology. I kind of like this because I get to make up my own words, and I don't get to do that very often. And we did that when we were teenagers. I make We made up our own words, and I won't even tell you what they were because they were stupid, but it was fun, like Bitegan and Tybegan and it, you know, don't don't tell me it's a long story, but anyway, Larapin and uh, other yeah, I, that means delicious by the way. But anyway, uh, so I, I made up this new term, psychology, because I began to think about this and I realized that psychologists study the mind, and sociologists they study society and social behavior, and biologists study life. And paleontologists are scientists who study fossils of animals to learn about what the earth was like millions of years ago, supposedly. So I, I just came to this conclusion that Jesus must have been the greatest psychologist that ever lived. Because it seemed like everywhere Jesus went, he ran into sick folks. There was never a moment, it didn't seem like, that he would walk through life, walk through a town, walk through a community, that he wasn't immediately surrounded by sick people. You think about it, he ran into lame folks, dumb folks. That doesn't mean they had intelligence problems. It mean they couldn't talk, but I'm sure he probably ran into some of the ones with, that had real dumb problems too. But, but mute problems and, and, and leprous people and, and even dead folks. And it seemed like that everywhere Jesus went, there wasn't a stop that wasn't marked by sickness. Everywhere he turned, every journey was, was surrounded by disease. And so over the next few weeks, what I want us to do is I want us to go back and revisit some of the encounters that the greatest psychologist that ever walked the face of the planet had with sick folks and see if we can't learn some sick truth. Because what I believe is this, I believe that the way that Jesus encountered and interacted with these folks teaches us some life lessons that we need to know. So the first encounter that I want to take us to is a familiar one. They're all going to be really familiar. You've learned them from since you were in children's church, but I want us to revisit them the, over the next couple of weeks. Luke chapter 6, verse 6, 6 through 11 says this. It says, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, that being Jesus. 
And a man was there whose right hand was withered, so that the, so the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. There are several things, four things I want to teach you very quickly that I think that the psychologist teaches us in our life. The first one I think is this, is, and you're going to have to listen to me carefully, and I'll try to explain myself on this one, but sometimes our miracle isn't as much about our faith as it is about our obedience. Haven't you ever been told in your life before, if you just had enough faith, if you would just hold on, if you would just believe, then your miracle would come. Haven't you ever, boy, you would have gotten healed if you'd have just had enough faith. You would, have, you would have had that breakthrough if you'd have just held on and believed enough. Your faith must be weak. I'm sorry. I read this story again several times this week, and I've yet to discover this man's faith. He didn't have any faith. Now, he did obey. Notice, if you will, that Jesus says, stand here, stretch hand, and boom, he's healed. Where's his faith revealed? His faith was not revealed. His obedience was, was revealed. And what I think is the reality for most of us is that we take too much credit for God's working in our life. If we are not careful, what we do is we allow our faith level to become an excuse for taking credit for what God did. I faithed God into giving me a financial breakthrough. I twisted his arm because I had so much faith and I believed so hard that he had to heal me. He didn't heal you because you didn't have enough faith, but I faithed God into healing me. And we begin to take credit for God's power operating in our life. I got news for you. It's not about our faith. It's about our God. Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not excusing you for not having faith. In fact, the Word teaches us and commands us to have faith. In fact, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so what I want to say to you this morning is that you must have faith and you need to have faith because we have a God that we can put our faith in. But we cannot become more caught up in our own faith than we are in our God's ability to do what he says he will do when we obey. Some of us use our faith as an excuse not to obey. Your faith will never override disobedience. Come on now. I, I, just, I just said something profound that I didn't even have written down. Your faith will never override your disobedience. I'm reminded of the story about the man who was caught in the flood sitting on top of his house, and he began to pray, say, God, I have faith that you will, you will rescue me, and I just need you to rescue me. And God sends a boat by, and he says, no, I believe, God, you're going to get me out of this, and you're going to rescue me. And you know the story. He, he waits, and the boat, the canoe goes by, the boat goes by, and finally the helicopter comes, and he keeps waiting, waiting, waiting. And God says, I sent three times I sent. Why didn't you just obey? Y'all remember that story? 
into that story, and I think that's what we do, is if, we are care- if we're not careful, we begin to trust our faith level more than we trust our God. I want you to be a people of faith. In fact, I demand that you be a people of faith. We cannot accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our church and in our life if we don't have faith. But what I really want you to do is I just want you to obey. Obey. Our faith does not excuse disobedience. Perhaps the greatest statement of faith that you can ever make is this. Obey. Because I understand and I have faith that if I obey God, He will do what He said He will do brag about to me to your about your faith if you're not willing just to obey obeying the second thing that I think the psychologist teaches us is this we mistake we substitute or often we confuse our location for our condition I, where was this man he was in church stay with me now this man with a withered hand whose life was marked by a handicap, whose existence was scarred by pain, whose livelihood, because the Jewish historian Jerome says that tradition teaches us that this man with a withered hand was a stonemason. How can you lay bricks with one hand? His life was now marked by his condition, but he was in church. Oh, you aren't hearing me this morning. He's still broken. He's still messed up. His life is still in shambles. How many of us have mistaken our location for our condition? Because what we do is we do the same thing that the man with the withered hand does. did. We come to church every week and we walk in withered and we walk in lame and we walk in bound and we walk in broken and we walk in disgusted and we walk in disillusioned and depressed and we, we think I'm in church every week and we substitute our location for our condition. Hear me this morning. I'm glad you're located here. I'm glad that you show up on a Sunday morning ready to worship God. I'm glad that you make your way here week after week but I don't want you to confuse your location with your condition because I think what we do is we settle for location and never deal with our condition and I want to tell you this morning I'm glad you're here but I am more concerned about whether or not you've been healed or not because you can come here the rest of your life And if you never encounter the life-giving, miracle-working, healing power of the Son of God in your own life, your location will not make up for that. We become like the Pharisees. And what we do is we begin to come to church to watch rather than to worship. And we come to judge healing rather than actually being healed ourselves. And I am convinced of this this morning. Hear me very carefully. You're going to hear this a bunch over the next couple weeks in one way or or another. I am convinced that we have too many spiritually crippled Christians walking to church, driving to church, camping out at church, reading church materials, listening to church tapes, listening to church worship all week after week and month after month and year after year. But we've settled for location and never deal with the core issue, which is is our condition. I want you to come to church. In fact, if you don't come a couple weeks, I'll make sure somebody calls you to find out where you are. Because location is important. 
You work in the real estate business, you know it's all about location, location, location. The Bible says that we don't forsake the assembling together of ourselves. When we get here, we interact with one another, and the Spirit of God that resides in you rubs off on me. But our location is no substitute for our condition. How many of you have known somebody that's gone to church all their life and never been saved? How many of you know somebody that's gone to church all their life and are still as addicted as the first day they walked in? How many of you know somebody that's gone to church all their life and still gossip as just as much as they did before they went to church? How many of you know somebody that has gone to church all their life and is still just as jacked up as they were from the first day they went there and they've settled for location and refused to deal with their condition? And what I am declaring to you this morning is that the psychologist wants to first deal with your condition. The third thing he teaches us is this, is, the, is that most of us are more concerned about our reputation than we are about our healing. Jesus commands the man to stretch forth his hand. Notice that Jesus didn't specify which hand. Oh, I know the writer said, that his right hand was withered, but then you read on down and Jesus just says, stretch out your hand. You're going to think this is a stupid question, but my question this morning is why didn't he stretch out his left hand? What are you saying? Because that's what we do. We're taught to put our best foot forward, or in this condition, our situation, our best hand forward. John mentioned it last week. We are trained. If you've been in church more than two weeks, you are trained to fake it till you make it. We're trained. I, I have been trained. You have been trained. I've been conditioned. You've been conditioned that when the preacher preaches and calls about us, uh, your need and your pain, you are conditioned to sit there and think that we're talking about everybody else and they don't know what I'm going through and I can put on a front and I can put on a facade and I can wear my mask and I don't have to let them ever see me sweat. They won't ever know that anything is going on. I know we had about eight people sitting today when we call for those that have impossible situations. The only problem with that is there was probably about a half a dozen to three dozen more that needed to sit down and say, I need God to bridge something in my life. But we put our best hand forward, and Jesus is teaching us that you can't be more concerned about what people think about you than you are about the fact that if you would stretch out your need, then Jesus would heal you. I don't know why he had enough obedience wrapped up. I don't know why he just did what he did, but the Bible says that he stretched out that withered hand. If it had been me, because I'm worried about what you would think about me and what my pastor friends would think about me and what my neighbors might think about me, if I have a need in my life, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to let nobody see it. I just discovered something. Jesus likes to uncover our mess. go back in the New Testament you read about Martha and Mary and Jesus is coming down the path and he's coming to see Lazarus but Lazarus is dead and they meet him at the path and they say no 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 you don't understand he's been in the tomb for four days and he stinks but Jesus understood something he understood that in order for life to come into that situation you got to uncover what stinks Jesus didn't bring you to passion to make you look good. Jesus, I know we're calling the women's thing 
passion, fashion. But Jesus didn't bring us to passion so that you could walk in here every Sunday morning and put on a fashion show and strut around like some spiritual giant. He brings us into an environment like this to uncover the stinky areas of our lives. But we want everybody to think we got it all together. And I would so much rather you revere me than for Jesus to heal me. And the psychologist teaches us that we have to come to this place where we're more concerned about our healing than we are about our reputation. We're more concerned about what Jesus knows and sees than I am about what you think about me. I'm more concerned about being healed and set free from the pains and the hurts of my life than I am about whether or not you might point a finger at me and think less of me and ridicule me and make fun of me. I'm more concerned about Jesus setting me free than I am about whether you think I'm the pastor that's got it all together. Because I got news for you. I don't. But neither do you. It's not about our reputation. Are there some strong spiritual people in this room? Absolutely. Are there some weak people in the room? Absolutely. What Jesus does is he puts us in environments where strong people rub shoulders with weak people so that I can help you when you're weak. Because you know why, you know why I can help you when you're weak? Because there's going to come a day when I'm going to be weak. And I'm going to need somebody to rub shoulders with me and help me to be strong. And you cannot, allow, you cannot accomplish that if all you're concerned about is your reputation. Because you will be more concerned about whether people think you glow in the dark. Than you are. We won't let our guard down. And Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. And he put it out there. That's the fourth thing that Jesus teaches, and I'll be done. This is a hard truth, and I don't even like this truth. I almost changed it just because I didn't like it. I know y'all ain't never done that. <clears throat> Here it is. Sometimes healing requires exposure. you got to understand this man's situation. Everybody knew he had a withered hand. It wasn't like he could conceal it. Everybody knew. But something strikes me as interesting in this account, and that is this, that Jesus speaks to this man, and I don't like this part at all. In fact, postmodernism that John talked about, we don't like this part. That's why we don't do altar calls anymore, and we just say, uh, and I, I'm, I mean, y'all got. I'm just being transparent with y'all. Y'all got to understand. I'm right in the middle of this struggle, and I'm talking to my other pastor friends. And and the truth is, is that nobody likes to come down to the front anymore. Uh, Jamie's brother Les and I talk about this all the time. You can call people to if you need to accept Jesus as your personal savior. They will raise their hand all day long. But as soon as you say, and now will you come to the front? Les told me. He said I've almost quit calling to the front because my people started thinking I was lying. Because I'd say, there's a hand, there's a hand, there's a hand, there's a hand. And then when I'd say, come to the front, nobody would come to the front. And so I don't like this truth. But this is what I noticed. Don't like it at all. Jesus says, come and stand here. He put him right up front in the center where everybody could see him. 
And then he says, stretch forth your hand. And the man has to take this withered, mangled, disformed, ugly, nasty-looking, ridicule-inducing, child-screaming hand and put it out there for everybody, including God, to see. How insensitive was the psychologist? It would have been so much better if Jesus would have just said, you know what, brother, I see your need. We're going to go off to some side room. That way nobody will see what you're going through. Nobody will see your pain. And nobody will see you weep. Nobody will see you cry. And we'll deal with your pain out there, and you won't be embarrassed. But Jesus pulls him front and center because Jesus knew something. Hear me this morning. What you hide, God cannot. I'm here to tell you this morning that we can do passion this way. We can come together and hoot and shout and jump. But until we become a body of people that will allow one another to reveal our brokenness and to reveal our pain and not pick up the phone and tell the whole world and not send the emails and not start the prayer chain. You'll get that one later. Until we come to that place, we see no healing. Because if we don't come to that place, you know what we'll do? We'll keep coming in here, acting like we got it all together. We'll keep coming in here, hiding our brokenness. And we'll keep stretching out our good hand and showing off our good side and showing our good act and showing our good, our faking and all that kind of stuff. We will do that. Because there's another truth here, and that is this, and it's not part of your notes, but you might want to write it down, is that Christians are really good at attacking weak folks. And I am calling you to understand that if we have a body of people who are like that, then we will remain broken and confused and hurt. And we will have our location right, but our condition will never change. And when people walk in off the street, they'll know we're faking it because they've got more discernment than most Christians do. And they'll go, those people don't really have it as together as they think they do or as they act they do, act like they do. And I'm not about to expose my weakness there because I will be attacked. And you know what? They're probably right. Jesus understood that the only way to get the touch that we need is to expose and stretch forth our brokenness. You have to be bold enough to uncover your problem. You're not fooling anybody anyway. His withered condition was obvious to everybody. Haven't you ever met somebody that was had an issue in their life and everybody knew about it, but they acted like nobody knew about it? Isn't that hilarious? They won't tell anybody. They won't talk about it. They won't let their, their guard down. And they keep acting like they got, and everybody's talking behind their back going, they, man, they got this problem. Don't they? We all know it's a, it's a withered hand. You can't hide it. Jesus asking 
to uncover his problems, to expose his weakness, and that's what I'm asking you to do. To come, John hit it right. People are looking for authenticity. I don't even believe it's just postmoderns. I think everybody's looking for authenticity. I think that if we would come to the place where we would stretch out our hand as jacked up as it may be, at that moment, Jesus responds. See, I'm asking us to come to the place where Paul came to. You remember what Paul said about weakness? He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your good hand. No, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. What's changed in the body of Christ they used to boast about their weaknesses. Now we just want to boast about the fact that we can cast out demons and we can walk on water and we can multiply bread and we can fly. Our, our, mm. Why? Why do we boast in our weakness? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in, weak, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. May I tell you this morning that your strength will never get you to God. Your weaknesses get you to God. So in other words, I'm challenging you this morning. The lesson that the psychologist teaches us is this. You have to be real. You have to be real broken. You have to be real hurt. You have to be real disappointed. You have to be real depressed. You have to be real sick. You have to be really destroyed. You have to be really struck down. And at that moment when you walk into God's presence and you stretch forth all of that, healing comes. I just want to remind you this morning that the people in Scripture that were most used by God walked with limps and stuttered through their messages and had anger issues and had sin issues and had prejudice issues in fact I was reminded as I was reading back through my notes that in Acts the Bible says that uh, Peter had a prejudice issue he was a racist that would bother me except now what really bothers me is it also says in the same sentence he was full of the spirit <laughs> isn't that a contradiction what it really ought to say was he was real this is what I've discovered in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 he who conceals his sin does not prosper but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy my challenge to you this morning is do you even recognize the own withered condition of your life because Jesus sees our hand everybody else sees our hand but do we see our hand? See, I've discovered something, and then I'm done. I'm I'm, I've discovered that the greatest deception is self-deception. Because if I have deceived myself, then I will believe my own lies. And then I'll convince myself that you don't know that I've got problems. And then I'll try to live up to my own lie. I'll tell you something this morning. I am about ready to see some folks healed. 
I'm about ready to see some folks walk in and their lives be changed. I'm about ready to see some folks who have withered conditions in their lives, broken relationships, broken bank accounts, broken hopes, broken dreams, broken lives that can walk in. And when they get into the presence of God, before God and everybody, they'll stretch it out. But the Bible says that judgment starts in the house of God. And when Christians become real, Sinners won't be afraid to admit how real their lives are either. It starts with us. The greatest psychologist that ever lived teaches us that if you hide it, he can't heal it. You know what I believe? I believe if he'd have been like us, when Jesus called him up the front, stretched forth your hand, and he reached out that left hand, I think he goes unhealed. Can't prove it. But I believe it. He'd have lived the rest of his life without playing, being able to play catch with his children. He would have lived the rest of his life being laughed at and pointed at. He would have left, lived the rest of his life in the handicap lane. He would have lived the rest of his life unable to sustain a livelihood because he was unwilling to, to stretch forth the broken area of his life. And I'm calling you to more than that. Here's where I want to be. I've been trained not to do this. I've been around Christians that there ain't no way I would do this. But I want to come to the place when Jesus stands me front and center. I go, here you go, Jesus. I'm struggling with this. Here you go, Jesus. Here's the... The lust issue. Here you go, Jesus. Here's the addiction issue. Here you go, Jesus. Here's the broken issue. Here you go, Jesus. Here's the problem in my life. Here you go, Jesus. I'm not afraid. I don't care. I know I can trust the people around me that when I stretch forth this mangled, withered condition of my life, they won't judge me. They will love me into health. What's the withered condition of your life? You know, the crazy thing about it is I've known some of you a long time. Some of you I haven't known that long. But I have to get up here week after week and I have to pray things like this. God, I don't know who's under the sound of my voice and what they're going for, through. That's a problem. I'm not asking you to burn my phone up and tell me all your issues. I'm just saying if it's happening in the pulpit, I know it's happening in the pew. And the reality is that most of you don't know diddly squat about the people you're sitting next to. You build up walls. So we wonder why we don't walk around doing what Jesus did, did, healing people and setting people free, because the Bible says that we will do greater works than he did. But we can't because we don't know anything about one another. I just know you glow when you walk in here, and you sing real good, and you dance real good, and you shout real good, and how are you? I'm blessed beyond measure, and I'm feeling great, and everything is fine, and then you go home crying. Father, this is my prayer this morning. Not a fun message. Heal us. I pray that you would allow us to undeceive ourselves. I pray that you would allow us to be real. I pray that you would challenge us this morning to before God and everybody. Well, let me rephrase that. I pray that you would allow us before God and those that are in this room who have the heart and mind of Christ 
who we can trust, who we know that's going to have our back, who we know that we can depend on to pray for us and not ridicule us, those people that we know that are sitting around us right now that also have issues of their own who will be moved by compassion that will call out on our behalf, allow us at that moment to stretch forth the withered areas of our lives. God, I know this. What we hide, you will not heal. Teach us that lesson. God, I pray that you would allow us to quit being so concerned about our reputation, and I pray that instead we would become totally obsessed with becoming healed. Father, I pray that we would no longer substitute Setting in a church week after week for being healed. Deal with our condition. We know we're located properly, but now I pray that you would address our condition. In Jesus' name. Everybody stand with me this morning. If you have a need in your life, there's a broken area of your life, a painful area of your life, a withered place in your life. We're going to try this again. Didn't plan it this way. We're just going to try this again. You need a breakthrough. You need a miracle. I want you to sit down. If you've already sat down once, that's fine. Sit down again. I don't care. If you need a breakthrough in your life, you're saying before God and everybody, I'm willing to expose the withered areas. Let him work right now. I don't need to pray over you. You just expose yourself before God and everybody, and Jesus will respond accordingly.
willingly exposed the withered condition of his life. I pray that you would see that same trust, same step of obedience. I want to speak to those of you that are standing. You have an opportunity this morning. You have a decision, a choice to make. You can be like the Pharisees and the scribes and stand there and judge people who are withered, or you can step out and become God's hands. If you're standing around and wondering, well, I wonder what they're dealing with. You're not doing any good. I just encourage you right now, to move out from where you're standing and find one of these folks that are sitting down declaring their brokenness and their pain bravely bravely exposing themselves in the condition of their life I encourage you to become Jesus to them right now and to begin to speak healing over them Father we speak healing right now over the broken of the lives of those that are seated brave enough to pull the mask off brave enough to reveal the hurt areas of their life Father we offer them what you offered that man we offer them healing right now touch us Change us, mold us, deliver us, set us free. Father, we declare that we take we take Paul's position and we boast this morning in our weakness. If we had it all together, we wouldn't even need you. But this morning, if we're standing here, we're weak. If we're seated, we're weak. Some of us may be stronger right now than others, but the reality is, is we're all just weak people trying to live for you. And so, Father, this morning I pray that in our weaknesses you would make yourself and show yourself strong. And I pray that withered conditions... Oh, your word says that when you said stretch forth that hand, that withered hand became as whole as the other one. And so, Father, I pray that right now, withered lives, broken hearts, broken homes, broken dreams, broken people would suddenly realize that they can now say, not because of my faith, but because of my God. I'm whole. I'm whole. And while others stand around and, and try to judge our healing, Father, we just live out our healing. And so, Father, I speak healing right now. I declare healing on every broken life. I declare healing over every addiction. I declare healing over every relationship. I declare healing over every hopeless situation. I declare healing 
in Jesus' name. I believe you're still the same Jesus that wants to heal withered folks. Heal us. Heal us. Heal us this morning. And we'll praise you. And we'll praise you. Out of our pain, we'll praise you. Out of our hurt, we'll praise you. Out of our disease, we'll praise you. Out of our handicapped position, we'll praise you. It's not about my location. It's about my condition. Out of the hurt place of my heart, the rugged areas of my life, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you, oh God. I'll run after you. This little song says, I'll run after you. with a limp but you can still run come on just for a few more moments we only have a few more moments but would you just begin to run after him <laughs> run into wholeness this morning
Come on, if you were seated this morning after I called for you to sit down, if you had an issue, I want you to do this as a step of obedience this morning. I'm not calling you to a lot of faith. The Bible says if you have a faith that's like the grain of a mustard seed, that's all it takes to move mountains. I'm calling you to obedience this morning. If you took a seat, then just real quickly as a step of obedience, would you just take your right hand and put it right up against your, your chest or your stomach this morning. Just place it right there. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stretch forth your hand. And I believe that at the moment that you do that as an act of obedience, you're going to know that Jesus has walked into your life and walked into your situation and walked into your condition. And your condition is going to begin to line up with your location. And everything is going to have changed and you're going to find that you're every way whole. On the count of three, one. Nobody else knows but one. Two. I don't have anybody else to turn to. <laughs> it's you, Jesus. It's you, Jesus. Three. I want to be free. On the count of three, one, two, three, will you just stretch that hand up to God? begin to thank Him for your freedom. I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm marked. Yes, I'm marked. Yes, I'm marked by the pain. Yes, I'm marked by a limp. Yes, I'm marked, but I'm still free. Yes, I'm marked, but I'm free. weakness and I can take joy in my weakness because when I'm weak I know you're strong come on take that right hand and you may not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger but I want you to recognize your strength this morning would you just take that same right hand that represents your weakness and just begin to flex your muscle right now I'm strong I'm strong I'm strong. In my weakness, I'm strong. In my broken condition, I'm strong. In my broken condition, I trust you, oh God. And I'm strong. 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 aspect of my life, oh God. You want some sick truth this morning? Here's your sick truth. Your condition is beginning to line up with your location. <laughs> your condition 
is beginning to look a lot more like your location this morning. In the name of Jesus, I declare that. Father, I pray that as we leave this morning, we will leave out of this room and we will understand that because of your grace and because of your mercy and because of the provision that you made, we are strong. We're strong. I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. Come on, just begin to say that to yourself. I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. I'm st be strong and courageous. I'm strong. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.